Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Sound Reasoning. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus responds to the religious leader by telling him to love God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is what I call cerebral worship. I believe that in order for habits to change or for us to become conformed to the image of Christ, we must engage in cerebral worship. What does this type of worship look like? Well, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12 and 2 that we should not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is that done? By engaging in cerebral worship. When our minds are centered on the things of God, our habits will change. Our dispositions will be affected. For the mind influences our will, and the will influences or impacts our actions. If we want to look more like Jesus, we must first avail ourselves or our minds to his word, which is the Bible. This method is called Christian apologetics and is based on God's mandate for all Christians to engage in cerebral worship by the use of their minds. Now, as Christians, we've been given the charge it's a prescriptive charge. That means it's for all Christians, not just for the theologians, not just for the pastors, not just for the Sunday school teachers, not just for the Bible study leaders or the devotional leaders, but all Christians have been called upon by Jesus himself to go out and be witnesses. And part of being a witness is not just living a Christian lifestyle, but also telling others about the good news, about the euangelion. Uh, that's the Greek for the good news. We all, as believers, have been given this charge by God to go out and spread the gospel. Why? That others may know Jesus intimately for themselves. That, uh, that they may, through your uh, preaching and conf- uh, confession of the gospel, that they may embrace uh, the Jesus that we know, the Jesus that we love, uh, the gospel that he has afforded them, uh, that they may have um, a little piece of heaven right here on this earth prior to them passing away. We should all, as Christians, want others to get to know the gospel, to get to know the Jesus that we affirm and the Jesus that we follow. So in us going out and sharing this gospel, invariably someone will ask, why do you do the things that you do? Who is this God that you're talking about? Tell me more about Jesus the Christ. They'll ask questions because of who you are, because of who you're professing. We can't get around people wanting to know about Christianity. If you are a person that lives the Christian life without being ashamed, if you are a person that witness to your co-workers, if you are a person um, whose family knows that you follow Jesus Christ, sooner or later, someone will ask you, why? Why do you do the things that you do? And when you respond, I'm hoping that you respond from a biblical paradigm 
not solely based on your own private experiences, not solely based on your own rationale, your own logic, your own philosophy. There's nothing wrong with philosophy and logic. But outside or apart from uh, God and, and Him dealing with us, we need to be able to give people a response for the hope that lies within us. So when we give a biblical response, that's the best response we can give to people. There's nothing wrong with giving answers or giving responses, but many times believers uh, do the church and the kingdom of God an injustice by giving people the wrong information. So apologetics endeavors to train Christians in sound doctrine and teach them how to properly respond to those who ask us for the reason of the hope that lies within us from a Bible-based perspective. Apologetics is not a curse word. It's, it, it's not a foul word, word. It's a word that is derived from the Greek word apologia, which means defense, which in the English can be translated answer. So when Peter says, be ye ready to give each man an answer, that word is apologia. Be ye ready to give each man an apologia, a reason for the hope that lies within you. So apologetics, again, is derived from this Greek word apologia. It is a bi biblical term and is a deontological concept, meaning that it, all Christians uh, have an obligation. Uh, we have a duty towards the practice of apologetics. For as we go out, people will want to know, why is it that you do the things that you do? And when you're engaged in something and someone wants to know more about it, it helps if you have the correct information to give back to them. So apologetics aims to train believers uh, into becoming uh, better uh, at answering questions about our faith. Whether they be legitimate or illegitimate, we just need to be ready to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us. Now, in the New Testament, this word apologetics can be found in two forms. The regular form is apologia, and we see that in the New Testament seven out of 13 times, at least seven out of 13 times. The first time we run into it is Acts 22 and 1, where in this context, the Jews from Asia accused Paul of teaching things that were against the people, teaching against the law, and the uh, desecration of the temple, Acts 21 and 27. Bringing Greeks into the temple and defiling it was uh, uh, against the law, against the, uh, uh, the Jewish cultural law, and is something that Paul was being accused of. Now, Luke writes that they mistakenly thought Paul had brought Trophimus into the temple, Acts 21-27, uh, which Trophimus being a Gentile, there was a part of the temple where Gentiles could not cross, and Paul was being accused of violating that law. So Acts 22 and 1, Paul says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. So really, Paul is saying, hear the apologia that I now make before you. Hear the answer that I now make before you. So apologia is found in Acts 22 and 1. Then again in Acts 25 and 16. We find Festus sharing the case of Paul with King Agrippa. 
Festus wanted to get advice from King Agrippa concerning the Jews and Paul. Festus initially asked Paul if he wanted to go back to Jerusalem to be tried by the Jews. But Paul, being wise, appealing to Caesar because Luke informs us in his commentary that the Jews had plotted to assassinate Paul. But Paul knew that if he were to go back to Jerusalem, he would not get a fair trial. It is due to Paul's request that Festus found it necessary to get the advice of Agrippa, for Festus was not sure what to do. So, uh, Acts 25 and 16, we read these verses. I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused and met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So that word, opportunity to make his defense, uh, is a polygia. So again, Festus is uh, unpackaging or sharing with Agrippa the dilemma that he's facing. And he is uh, telling Agrippa that the law, the Roman law, required that Paul get a fair trial. And that he have an opportunity to make his defense or apologia or to be able to answer for himself. Then in 1 Corinthians 9 and 3, we find the word apologia once again. After addressing the church of Corinth concerning the matter of liberty, especially in terms of food consumption or what they were allowed to eat, Paul shifts from the topic of uh, the food to his apostleship. For those who question his position as a legitimate apostle, Paul gives his apologia, his defense, or his answer. So 1 Corinthians 9 and 3, Paul says, this is my defense to those who would examine me in terms of his apostleship. So once again, this is my defense. This is my apologia. This is my answer. And this is what we are all, as Christians, as believers, we're all supposed to engage in giving our apologia, giving our answer to those who have questions about why we do the things that we do. Why do we worship on Sundays? Why do you pay your tithes? Why do you sacrifice your time during the week to go to Bible study? All of these are questions that non-believers may want to ask. Um, why do you believe in an invisible God? Why do you believe in a being that you can't touch? What facts, what data do you have to corroborate the biblical accounts? These are all fair and legitimate questions that Christians should prepare themselves for in terms of uh, giving a rationale for why they do the things they do. And if you can't answer it, that's okay. No one person knows everything. But... If someone asks you a question about your faith that you can't answer, God has given us other people within the community of Christ who may be able to answer it. So it's always incumbent upon you to go back, tell the individual that you don't have the answer readily available, but you'll get back to them and go back and do your research, talk to your pastor, talk to your Bible study teacher, talk, talk to your parents who may be of faith, talk to those that, that God has put in your life that uh, you can talk to about getting the answer so you can get back to the individual who requires it. The next occurrence of apologia is found in Philippians 1 and 7. 
As part of his introduction, while writing the letter to the church of Philippi, Paul again uses the word apologia. He wanted the Christians at Philippi to know that despite being imprisoned for defending the gospel, they are still in his thoughts. Paul writes, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Once again, in, both in his imprisonment and in the defense and in the apologia and in the answer he's going to give and confirmation of the gospel. Philippians 1.16 is another scripture that contains the word apologia. Now, depending on if you have the NIV or the NASB, you'll find this passage in Philippians 1.16. If it's uh, the King James Version, you'll find it in Philippians 1.17. In the first chapter of the book, the Apostle Paul shares with the church that his suffering has ultimately led to the advancement of the gospel. Verse 12. His imprisonment has even had an impact on the guards that are watching him. He acknowledges that others may preach Christ with an ill motive, but regardless, he is set for the defense of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray that you are set for the defense of the gospel. Wherever you may be listening to this show, I pray that you have the same mentality as Paul, that you too are set for the defense of the gospel, that you too have positioned yourself to be ready to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you, and doing it with uh, gentleness and respect. So Paul writing Philippians 1.16 or Philippians 1.17, depending on which translation you have, he says, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, that I'm put here for the apologia of the gospel, that I am put here to answer those who have, make, have questions of me about the gospel. So Philippians 1.16, Philippians 1.17, Paul states that he is put here for the defense of the gospel. Then in 2 Timothy 4.16, the context of this passage deals with the sufficiency of Christ versus man. This passage infers that Paul had a prior trial in Rome. At that trial, no one came to his defense or apologia. Not even his friends came to give an apologia on his behalf. Paul writes, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. So, once again, we find this word, apologia, at my first apologia, at my first answer, or my first uh, opportunity to give an answer for why I've been doing the things I've been doing, why I've been preaching Jesus uncompromised. No one came to my defense. So, there'll be times where we're on our own, we don't have another believer in our presence to help us uh, give an apologia. That's why all of us have to be ready. All of us have to not only read the Bible, but we have to study the Bible. Then we have to apply the Bible. It makes no sense to have knowledge of what God is saying and to not implement it. Uh, the totality of our Christian walk requires that as we uh, read the Bible, as we study, as we pray, as we fast, as we walk in faith, uh, that infers that we are practicing what we're learning. 
we are put into action the things that God uh, is asking us to do. So this word apologia is abundant through the scriptures and it's not a man-made concept or doctrine. It is right here in the passages and I hope and pray that uh, you fully understand what apologetics is and what apologetics is uh, supposed to do. Then in 1 Peter 3.15, which I've been mentioning over and over and over again, I think 1 Peter 3.15 properly captures what apologetics is. In this letter, Peter writes about suffering for the sake of righteousness in 1 Peter. In response to being persecuted, Peter encourages the church to set God apart in their hearts and be always ready to give each man a reason for the hope that lies within us when they're asked. To be ready to give each man an apologia. To be prepared to make a defense or an apologia or to give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, uh, within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Amen. Then, not only do we see apologia, there's a conjugated form of the word apologia, which is apologiomai or apologiomai, and it means to defend oneself. And we find this a form of apologia at least six times in the New Testament. And it's apologiomai. We find the first instance in Acts 19 and 33. We don't have much information on Alexander outside of speculation. We do know, however, that once the crowd found out that he was a Jew, they drowned out his voice for two hours, according to Luke. He wanted to give his apologia, his defense, but the Ephesian mob would not allow him to talk. Despite the hostility, God intervened by the way of the town clerk. Luke writes, Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. Alexander, in other words, wanted to make a defense, wanted to give his apologia, and he wanted to answer the crowd. That's what Luke's right in Acts 19 and 33. Then in Acts 24 and 10, Paul is recognizing the position of Agrippa as we go back to this story. Then made his apologiomai, his answer in response to his accuser, Tertullus. Tertullus had accused Paul of inciting rebellion and defiling the temple. So Luke writes, and when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense or make my apologia. Then in Acts 25 and 8, or apologiomai, Festus was informed on Paul's case. The Jews wanted Paul sent to Jerusalem so they could assassinate him. Once again, we are revisiting the story. Why? Because there's a different form of Apollo which is Apollo Giomai being used. However, Festus chose to judge the case in Caesarea. It is after the listing of the complaints by the Jews that Paul argued in his defense. Paul gave his Apollo Giomai. Paul argued in his defense. Paul argued by giving an answer. 
Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law of the Jew, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I committed any offense. Then in Acts 26 and 1, once Festus shares his dilemma with Agrippa, he asks for Paul to speak concerning the accusations. Luke writes, Paul stretched out his hand and gave his apology Almighty. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense or made his apologiomai, or Paul gave his answer. Acts 26 and 2, Paul was relieved to give his apologiomai in front of King Agrippa. I consider myself fortunate that it's before you, King Agrippa. I'm going to make my defense today. I'm going to give my apologiomai today against all the accusations of the Jews. Then lastly, Acts 26 and 24, And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. Once again, we find this word apologiomai. And as he was saying these things in his apologiomai, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. So I pray that you got something out of today's a session dealing with introduction to apologetics and what apologetics is the best scripture that we can use in terms of explaining apologetics once again is first peter 3:15 i pray that you take this message go forth and share christ and when the opportunity arrives make sure to give your apologia or to make your apologia my Have a great day, and may God bless you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister, Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught, so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.